Hello, I'm John Deeks and welcome to the Your Life Choices podcast. And with over 270,000 members and growing, Your Life Choices is Australia's longest established, most trusted digital destination for the over 50s. Our mission is to inform, empower and engage. And today we have something special that I hope you'll enjoy. There will be very few of us whose lives have not been enriched by a pet. Now think back to the first pet you had as a child. Just think about that for a moment. What was your first pet? Along with the cats, the dogs, the guinea pigs, the mice, the feathered friends and who knows what else, they've all been part of our lives. Our bond with animals goes back tens of thousands of years. Studies by Columbia University believe a variation of wolves were domesticated up to 30,000 years ago and cats kept mice away from grains and the such. For dogs, there was hunting, herding and standing guard, etc. And although many of our canine friends are still hard at work around the world, for the majority of us, life would not be the same without a moggy or a doggy. But as life goes on, for some of us, having an animal companion can be difficult both logistically and financially. So on today's Your Life Choices podcast, we look at some of these issues. And I could not think of a better person to speak to than Trish Ennis, the CEO of Companion Animal Network. Now, not many of you may have heard of Companion Animal Network, but you're about to. Their mission, as stated, is a compassionate community dedicated to providing safe and caring homes for pets. Welcome, Trish. And before we get going to talk about your companion animal network, what was your first pet? Oh, Dixie, um, coming from a family of eight, we had lots of pets. So I think the first one was a dog, Bim. Bim. Isn't it funny how you always always remember the name of your first pet so well, don't you? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I think there was only three or four of us then, children, uh, then there was eight children, so then we had Ming, and then we had guinea pigs, cats, fish, name it. <laughs> we had them <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were the same. There was guinea pigs, there were badgerigars, there were, oh, blimey, I don't know how mum and dad coped, but uh, somehow we did. Uh, all right, let me ask you the question, Companion Animal Network, I'm a, a newbie to this organisation, so please explain. Well, we used to be called Animal Welfare League Australia. Okay. During fires and everything, I joined them in 2019 when the terrible bushfires were happening. And to me, it became very confusing because I was getting emails and whatever from people all over the world asking about kangaroos and koalas and so forth. And obviously, we don't handle that. We're the peak body, if you like, for companion animals. And we focus on the human-animal bond. So we're made up of six rescue and support services throughout Australia, which in Melbourne is Lord Smith, Animal Welfare League in Queensland, Sydney Dogs and Cats Homes, Dogs Homes of Tassie, Animal Welfare League South Australia and SAFE in Western Australia. So we're a national body and, uh, yeah, we look after, we rescue, we foster, we uh, have vet hospitals, uh, all sorts of things. So, uh, yeah, and we represent uh, the companion animal industry to the government as well. You're a registered charity and you do obviously a, a great deal of work uh, and, of course, you're at the behest of uh, the kindness of strangers and others. H- how did it all come together in a, a, 
a group like Companion Animal Network? What drew them all together? Well, we've got various projects. There is a number of needs that uh, rose. So there's pets in aged care, there's renting with pets. So there's pets in business, for instance. Um, now with COVID, you know, a lot of people have taken on pets, but eventually they're going to have to go back into the office. So we're going to be encouraging people to set up their uh, places as pet-friendly places. Pet-friendly places in restaurants, in travel, in all sorts of things. It came out of a necessity, basically. So we're now building all of that around it. Let's go through some of the uh, the items that uh, Companion Animal Network, or CAN as it's called, are involved in. Firstly, uh, something very of great interest to our Your Life Choices audience would be enabling them to have pets as they move into the age that they're in, um, where there might be some financial difficulty or there might be some logistics difficulty. How do you integrate with uh, our seniors on how they can keep their pets or if they, in fact, want a pet, but are concerned about the costs, not only keeping the upkeep, but also veterinary care? Uh, Let's start with that one. A lot of the vets will have support systems. For instance, uh, Lord Smith Animal Hospital and some of the animal hospitals will help people out that if they uh, can't afford it, that they will support them. So that is a good thing. Positive ageing in the company of animals is an area that we're focusing on and focusing big time on it this year. It's very important for the mental health, uh, mental welfare of uh, folks to to have a pet. It's 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 well known and has been you know, clinically proven that uh, having a pet is a very positive thing for one's mental health. Oh, mental health and physical health. It reduces blood pressure, stress, strain, all sorts of things. Getting older, uh, you can lose your own companion, but to have a pet is just the whole new world. Uh, people often look for pets and um, around our age, and I'm you know, in my 60s, early 60s now, but they don't necessarily want to take on a puppy, and that's yeah. fine, Yeah, uh, which is totally understandable. There are a lot of rescue places out there that have pets surrendered to them for various reasons, and some from people that have moved into residential care that have got beautiful animals but had to surrender them because the places they've moved into uh, just don't take them. There are places that will take animals, but uh, I would tend to look for rescues or places that uh, have older animals up to to save, basically. Trish, a lot of people might think perhaps uh, I'm not too sure what this animal was like when it was with its previous owners, was it uh, a bit, you know, rambunctious? Was it uh, ill? Uh, what, what, am, what am I getting, in other words? Well, this is where it's really good. When you go through places like our uh, rescue places, all the dogs and cats are assessed. They're assessed physically first so that they're all microchipped, they're all um, cleaned, they're all checked for their physical issues. Then they're behavioural issues. So you will not adopt a pet from any of those places that won't give you the full background on their behaviour and what they're like, which is fantastic. I noticed on your website you say that 18% of aged care facilities consider allowing residents to keep a pet. Is, is there a change in attitude? How are you trying to change the attitude of aged care facilities and, and what do they see 
the aged care facilities as the problem for their residents having pets? Well, some of them are limited in the way they think, but others are very broad. There's the fear of spreading disease. There's the fear of people might fall over pets if they're around the place. There's the financial side of it, of residential aged care being able to support financially the the pet. They don't get any government grants. They don't get any government support. Even home care, we're trying to push that as well with the government, which will be to uh, increase the facilities in the home care packages to incorporate pet walking, pet feeding and so on, and cleaning the house, making sure the yard's in a position where the animal will be just as happy as the, the owner. Uh, and in the residential care, we're just hoping to set a set of guidelines so people won't be as fearful and also to be able to talk to other places that do have pets, allow pets, and get them talking and get the conversation going about the positive side of having pets and allowing people to move into the facilities with their pets. We've also found that uh, in the past that a lot of people won't move into residential when they really need it because they just won't surrender their pets, which is fair call. Trish, I remember when I was working on radio, I, I would get a lot of folks who'd ring up and they'd lament the loss of a, of a pet and I'd say, oh, well, why don't you get another one? And they go, no, I couldn't possibly replace Fluffy uh, or whatever with another pet. How do you overcome that obstacle? When you know that they would be better off, but you know you don't want to impose yourself on them. I think to start off um, looking at helping out with other people's pets. Oh, yeah. They can either foster, or even just this morning when I was on Facebook in my little community, they there was someone that put their hand up to say, "Look, we've recently lost our pet. We're not prepared to take on another pet as yet, but we really dearly miss them." So if there's anyone out there that would like us to walk your pet or to come and feed your pet or spend time with your pet or even look after your pet if you go shopping or go to work. Um, So there are people out there that would dearly love that support and which would help you in the meantime. I'd like to thank uh, Mary in Sandringham, who has uh, just been looking after my little doggy, Daisy, as I've been uh, stricken by the, the big COVID uh, boogeyman, and she's been looking after my doggy, so I know what you're talking about. So thank you, Mary, and blessings to all the other people who've been looking after animals while people have had to convalesce at home and also uh, stay indoors while they have been suffering from this uh, terrible COVID scourge. Now, talking about... Uh, Another fact that Companion Animal Network talk about, and that is uh, pets at work. What what is what is the what is the attitude? What was it? What is it? What do you hope it'll be? Well, it's growing at the moment because so many people took on pets during lockdown. It's huge. It's grown unbelievably. But these people are going to have to go back to work, and they're all very very nervous about leaving their. Velcro dogs and Velcro cats that have been so connected to them and going off to work, which is a fair call. So we're going to be encouraging workplaces to become pet friendly. Um, I've written, Actually, it was last week that I wrote up some policies around it. And what we've proven, and the studies happened in Canada and all over the world, is that if you do have a pet friendly workplace, it increases the positivity of the staff around the place. It just makes everyone a hell of a lot happier. 
and also you've got the care for the animals there as well. So if instead of people going out for a smoker like they used to do, they might just take their dog for a walk down the road. But we're looking at doing dogging daycare within these businesses and in the shared offices perhaps. So there's lots of opportunities there. And I think businesses will retain staff if they allow increase their areas to become pet friendly. What what are the, some of the pets that you would recommend for people who are 60 plus who would like to have a, a low maintenance pet in their lives? Because obviously they've got to make sure they can afford to feed their moggy or their doggy or whatever. Um, what are some of the best pets for, for seniors? It depends on what you want. Now, of course, cats and dogs are the first things you think of, which is fantastic. And I'd go for a smaller dog rather than a large dog unless you're going for a greyhound, which are big lazy yep. lobbers. Um, and they, but they're great. They'll go out and, you know, make you get up and go for walks. And that's the beauty of a dog. You know, you have to get up and take them out for a walk. The little dogs like the Maltese Shih Tzu are fantastic, but then you've got your grooming costs on top of that. But as a hint on that, you know, you could get some grooming shoes and take a bit of a lesson and groom them yourself. Mm. You know, all pets cost a certain amount of money because you've got to get them with the vaccinations, and but that's once a year. You've got to feed them, but you've got to feed yourself too. So honestly, the, the cost of taking on a pet versus the bond that you're going to have and the, the relief that outweighs, you're going to have in life yeah. is totally outweighs it, yeah. Trish, there's so many questions uh, that people, I'm sure, have, and the best place to go would be to your website, Companion Animal Network. Yes, it's Companion Animal Network Australia. Uh, the website is australiacan.org.au. Australiacan.org.au, yep. That's right. And if you've got any questions or you want to contact us, just info at australiacan.org.au. More than happy to answer any questions. Trish, as I mentioned earlier, you're in the business of helping others and you've got a great umbrella group. What are some of those organisations that uh, Companion Animal Network represent? Animal Welfare League of uh, Queensland, Sydney Dogs and Cats Home, Lord Smith in Victoria, Dogs Homes of Tasmania, Animal Welfare League South Australia and Safe Inc. in Western Australia. If somebody would like to help your charity, which looks after all of these others, how can they assist you? Well, they can absolutely donate on app through our website or contact me through info at australiacan.org.au. That money comes in to us, but it is distributed out to support the animals at the other shelters. So we just keep a very small amount uh, to keep us going for the work that we're doing and the rest goes out to the other shelters to help with the animals directly. Uh, so also, we'd, you know, of course, bequests and all the rest of it are always welcome. So, yeah, please come to our website and have a look. All right. Well, you're in the business of helping so many others through uh, CAN, Companion Animal Network, and, of course, all the other organisations that you represent. It would be wonderful if people could, uh, in return, if they can't, have an animal for whatever reason, but feel that they're doing something for, for others. So that would be wonderful. Go on to the CAN website, which I'll give you in a moment. And uh, if you uh, feel you can um, donate a bit, then that would be sensational. Once again, that website is australiacan.org.au. 
one word, australiacan.org.au. All the information is there, all the resources. As I say, they're a registered charity um, and they're fully vetted and uh, all the rest of it. So I would really support them and really get you to have a look and give them support as well. Trish, uh, may this not be the last time we speak? Oh, I hope not. Johnny, it was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving up your time and the work that you're doing. Trish Ennis, the CEO of Companion Animal Network, here on this episode of Your Life Choices. We'll catch you on the next podcast.